Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK Connected podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler, here with another episode in our Connected series that remains squarely focused on how the digital advertising industry is making the most of the new trends and thinking that has resulted from lockdown. This podcast is just one part of a bigger initiative we launched in March called IAB UK Connected. Connected is our response to us all being more socially and physically distant. Online, you can find a raft of bite-sized digital training courses, our series of seminars re-engineered as Zoom conferences, and practical advice on the government's financial guidance so far. In today's episode, I sit down with Luke Aldridge, who is a global client partner at Dentsu Aegis Network, specialising in programmatic. Moreover, Luke is on a mission to help brands realise the potential of gaming. Everything from esports pro athletes to the more casual Candy Crush commuters. We cover loads of ground, everything from how gaming is deepening social connections to smashing up freezers in Fortnite, and why gaming is, right now, properly having its moment. But I started by asking Luke how and why he started specialising in gaming. I sit on the programmatic team uh, at Dentsu, the global programmatic team. And um, myself and uh, a close colleague of mine, Pete Jacobs, um, found ourselves wondering about last summer, around August time, why we couldn't serve ads uh, in games programmatically, given that most games are played online nowadays. Um, so we asked Google that question and we came up with a company um, called Bidstack uh, and we found that it was possible to do that and we got very excited. Uh, Pete and I are casual gamers um, so we had an interest in this space um, on a more sort of personal level as well um, and uh, we started talking to our clients about this new capability, got very excited um, and from there um, people within Dentsu, um, you know, we're doing bits and pieces in, in gaming and esports, as I think most of the agency groups are, yeah. um, particularly those who have gaming clients. Um, and, and so we saw an opportunity to educate ourselves beyond just the sort of in-game, uh, programmatically bought um, uh, ad capabilities that, that Bidstack and others had, and start looking at esports um, and the world of influencers mm. and streaming. Um, and so we've just been rolling on the momentum of, of that original first question, uh, trying to educate ourselves, not just on the gaming ecosystem as a whole and all the different mediums within it and all the different audience groups within it, um, which is crucial. Yeah. Um, but to, to, to understand what the marketing and, and ad opportunities are within it um, and the pros and cons of each. Is the audience thing often the hardest thing you come up against? I mean, I, I remember I used to work on Lynx deodorant back in my agency days, and they used to do loads with what was massive at the time, which was Xbox and Double Fusion, which was PlayStation. And it was nowhere near as sophisticated as what you can do now. It certainly wasn't programmatic. You know, you literally hardwire stuff in. But the reason it worked for Lynx is because it was 16 to 24 lads, and that was the stereotypical gamer that you would find. Is that all these years on? probably still how it's perceived um that's a very good question the answer is by some unfortunately yes um i would say by most it's not such a strong stereotype anymore but if you were to press them and say okay if it's not just teenage boys now playing video games who is it 
they would probably struggle to answer or at least yeah. give you an accurate description. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you start with just the total global audience of people that play online games now, you're looking at probably somewhere between 2.2 and 2.5 billion people, mm. which is most of the online population. Um, so if it's that many people, it can't just be teenage boys um, <laughs> yeah. by definition, right? Yeah. It has to kind of be everyone. Yeah. Um, so uh, there is some understanding around that. I think um, most people play casual smartphone games as well yeah. um, on their way to work. Uh, in all age groups, um, I shouldn't just say people who are commuting. It can be people over 60 who have retired yeah, yeah. Um, as well. So they know that they play games on their mobile, but they don't always make the connection that playing games on your mobile isn't all that different from someone playing a game on a console yeah. or a PC. Yeah. Um, I think where they struggle, um, uh, and when I say they, I'm talking about senior marketers, is where this new world of gaming um, has, has been created over the past probably five or 10 years. And that's really the world of esports uh, and streaming. Um, and, and so a lot of the education I think that needs to happen um, is around those areas. And, and when you explain all the different components from, okay, you start with everyone plays games now, yeah, but there's a subsection of that that watch people playing games. Mm. And there's another section over here that watch people playing games live. And there are actually pro athletes that are competing in tournaments yeah. for prize money uh, as part of these esports events as well. So that whole piece mm. is a bit intimidating, I think, for most. Um, it was for me, actually, when I first started educating myself on this really? stuff. Yeah, I, the, the esports world in particular was, was very new. And actually, most of the games that are played um, in esports tournaments, mm. some of them I hadn't heard of, even the biggest ones, like Dota... League of Legends, you know, I, I was a sort of, I'm a sort of PlayStation man, so mm. I play a little bit of a few games on my mobile. So um, learning about that and then transferring that knowledge to you know people within the agency or or friends and, and and family and talking to people like you about this stuff, you know, it's it's that that tends to be where um, I think. Uh, the knowledge gap exists in, in some areas. So yeah, um, that's what we've been focused on talking about a lot. Uh, when you think about esports, I mean, it seems to be getting all of the mainstream headlines now, um, uh, particularly around FIFA, things like, you know, Fortnite as well and the prize money. Like you said, these are, these are proper, uh, dare I use the term, sort of celebrities, athletes in their own right now that have got established followings and uh, and everything else. So it's, it feels like it's kind of coming into mainstream. Um, now in particular is a very interesting time, particularly in the last six or seven weeks as more people have been at home, uh, arguably more chance and lots of the numbers that we've seen from the likes of Bidstack and others are seeing this massive rise in people gaming at the moment. Um, is esports filling that gap whereby, you know, we've got no football on the telly, there's literally nothing on that's live. Do you think esports is filling that gap at the moment? Um, yes, uh, is the short answer. And it, I think it's that's slowly happening. I think you've seen some, um, I, I think the appetite for live sport has not gone away. 
Yeah. Um, it won't yeah. go away. In fact, it's probably stronger than ever. People are yeah. desperate for some Absolutely night sport. gasping for it, for any, Gasp. anything, lead to anything yeah. it could be. Absolutely, and I'm saying. Um, and there have been some organisations that have been able to move really, really fast on this um, and shift into a, a sort of virtual event world. Um, the two that, that I noticed um, were Formula One, so yeah. they very quickly managed to shift um, their uh, competition and sort of real world race schedule uh, into these virtual events and tournaments. So uh, these online events that they're putting on replicate when the races would have been in real life as part of their regular season. Mm. Um, and they've brought in a really interesting mix of competitors um, for these these race events, so they've got actual F1 drivers like Landon so like Norris. the Lewis Hamiltons are involved. Yeah, exactly. Um, Formula F1 legends as wow. well. They're bringing in celebrities and, of course, actual Formula One esports yes. uh, top players. They're wow. pulling in as well. So it's been very interesting to see how all of those um, different competitors do against one another. Um, and they've been pulling in millions of viewers right from mm. the first event across Twitch, YouTube, and it was even broadcast on Sky Sports. Wow. Um, so they've done a, a fantastic job. Um, and then the other one is, is the Premier League. So um, they've created um, competitions with, you know, they've got Raheem Sterling. Yeah, Trent yeah, yeah. City, Trent Alexander-Arnold for Liverpool. Um, and, and interestingly, Diego Giotto, this is kind of a unique one for Wolves, um, who also happens to be a pro FIFA player. Is he? He's gonna, yeah, he's going to represent Portugal at the FIFA eSports wow. um, World Cup <laughs> coming up. Yeah. So the lines between real sports yeah. and, and virtual eSports are blurring for the first time, which is a fascinating thing to watch. Um, and, and a point Pete Jacobs, my colleague, always makes is that these formats are allowing um, people's sports heroes to become more accessible. Yeah. Um, they feel closer to, to, to them. And, you know, part of that is that uh, as they're competing, they're able to talk. Um, you know, they're, they're not, you know, when, when a footballer plays a, a football match, they're not mm -hmm. mic'd up. You can't yeah, hear yeah. what they're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. What strategies they have. Um, and there's even opportunities to interact with them directly through you know, there might be a live chat function on the side that, that the player might um, might read and interact with and answer questions. Um, so it's it's actually offering advantages that real sports simply can't or haven't yet today. And I wonder if, after all of this, some of the learnings around fan engagement um, from esports events are actually going to filter back into into real sports when they start back up again. Yeah, and do you do you think? I mean, to say it's having its moment is maybe the wrong way of putting it, but there has been a surge in, uh, in, in people gaming at the moment, you know, frankly, because that part of the time where you'd either uh, not be in front of a console or in front of your phone where you're able to do it, you know, you kind of now have all that opportunity. And, and even within that, we've seen there was the brilliant um, stay-at-home campaign which started featuring in, in games as well. So, you know, even the, the the government, you know, collectively the UK's biggest spender are seen as an opportunity here, particularly maybe to reach um, uh, uh, reach people they wouldn't ordinarily in other types of media. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, about a week after lockdown began, um, 
myself and, and a few others started asking all the gaming partners that we talked to um, about the uptick in engagement and, and game playing and the duration of, of um, each game session uh, that they were seeing across their networks um, since social distancing began. And clearly, there's been a huge uptick across the board, across basically almost anything. People going on websites, people watching Twitch, people playing games. The uptick varies by all these different platforms. Um, you know, some doubling or, or tripling their, their viewership numbers or their engagement rates. Um, and I think campaign performance off the back of those um, with, with brands that had already gotten involved in that space um, have shown massive increases uh, in, in outcomes as well, which is fantastic. Mm. Um, but I think maybe it's less just about people being bored at home um, and wanting to be uh, entertained. Um, and it's more actually about at a time when they are, they feel a bit disconnected from their friends and family. That's a really good point. Mm. Yeah, a lot of online games allow you to link up with your friends in these virtual squads or teams yeah. and solve problems, uh, accomplish missions together. Um, and those types of social interactions, even though they are virtual, I mean, you've got headsets, you can talk to your friends while you're doing this. Um, can be can be a lot deeper, believe it or not, than a simple sort of text exchange or a, yeah. a normal phone yeah. call. Because yeah. shared challenge and, and adversity and competition leads to stronger social bonds. Um, so it, it's it's again, this is another one where I think this has probably been something that a lot of people are not aware of, uh, and it will be interesting to see how that realization that these are very, very rich social experiences hmm. um, continues after the lockdown period has ended. I mean, maybe yeah. it will just go back to normal, but I've got a feeling people will go, oh, instead of having our weekly call, should we have, you know, our weekly, uh, our weekly game session? And, we'll, yeah. you know, we'll catch up and have a normal sort of phone call over our headsets for the first yeah, yeah. 10 minutes or whatever but then we'll jump into a game and, and do something fun. And, you know, this isn't just necessarily applicable to the gaming world. You've got these apps like House Party where people are having virtual quizzes and yeah, yeah, yeah. going on these virtual art gallery tours um, instead of going on dates. Yeah. Um, so definitely, this is definitely a new thing. And I, I'm curious to see um, whether this sort of stuff continues after the lockdown is eased. Well, you say it's deepening social connections. I think I'm on season five of playing my brother, who's a couple of years younger than me at FIFA, most nights. And I've won one game in five seasons. So I think <laughs> I feel more socially distanced than ever from him. I sort of don't, don't want to see him again after this, but uh, so I, I'm obviously getting something wrong. Um, we, we talked about, uh, we talked about a little bit at the start, but w where do you think this, um, I mean, the opportunity is crystal clear in the way that you're talking about it. You read about some of the money, some of the prize money with some of these things. You read about some of the personalities involved. So everything feels set up for this to be like a huge success. But why do you think what's holding marketers back from really going big and investing in this? This is a place where people are coming together, as you say. The environments now aren't like they were 10 years ago where they felt like, again, they're sort of as close to real life as you can the means by which you buy it is becoming more dynamic than what we're used to in other media. So, so what is it that you think that, that's holding brands back and in getting involved more? Yeah, I think at the risk of giving too much of a simplistic or, or reductionist answer to this, 
I think it's fear of the unknown um, mm. in large part. Um, as I said at the top of the top of our discussion, I think most people understand what video games are. Um, almost everyone. Um, most people have played a, a game on their smartphone, a puzzle game or a Candy Crush. Um, but the understanding of, of how gaming has developed in the online world over the last five or ten years is sorely lacking. Mm. Um, and it's it's challenging for people that just are casual gamers already. Like, I, as I said, I, I play console games and learning about eSports was, was quite challenging for me. It was, um, it's, it's a very different space and, and it's almost like a new culture around gaming and gamers mm. has been created. Um, and for brands, um, it might be that they've seen a few examples of, of brands getting involved um, and trying to reach gaming audiences and have done it in a in a in a jarring way that's a bit um, intrusive that perhaps interrupts mm. the gaming experience that that's a bit jarring um, and, and I won't point to examples of that but I can certainly think of a few that have happened even recently um, so I think the first thing to do to address this is just have um, a lot of patience around the education effort that needs to happen. Yeah. It's yeah. not going to happen overnight. It is going to take a while. Um, I'm pleased to say that a lot of big brands have actually done something in the gaming space. They've dipped their toe in the pool, um, which is very encouraging. I think, I think the most encouraging one I saw over the last uh, year or two was, um, I mean, there've been a, a ton of amazing campaigns. I think the guerrilla campaign of um, Wendy's in Fortnite was I mean, nigh on genius, really. Oh, t tell us um, a bit more about it. Um, so that was uh, Wendy's um, had a campaign uh, around um, having fresh beef in their burgers. So the tagline was um, Wendy's never uses frozen beef um, in their burgers. And um, in Fortnite, uh, in, they have these burger joints that are set up in this virtual um, open world environment and within those burger joints there are freezers and what Wendy's did was they uh, chose a character within Fortnite um, that looked like the sort of Wendy's sort of red-haired uh, girl <laughs> character and they went around these open world environments in Fortnite um, with an axe or something like that going into all these burger joints and smashing the the freezers Amazing. Um, and they started pumping it out on um, social. That I think they've got. They had their own um, Twitch uh, platform set up at that point. Uh, put it across YouTube and Twitter. Uh, put a big sort of organic push behind it. Brilliant. Um, you know, Wendy's doesn't do frozen beef. <laughs> and, and by the end of it, you know, big time gamers and influencers were 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 catching on mm. uh, and even their competitors were giving them props and they they turned it into this you know two minute um summary video that got a lot of pr coverage nice as well and so suddenly this when wendy's doesn't do frozen beef it's all fresh uh tagline was all over the internet and gamers um you know their, their gaming experience was not interrupted or affected yeah. negatively by this in any way it was just this cool character going around smashing freezers which <laughs> they thought was probably quite funny um and now for 
I mean, however many years uh, are the Fortnite audience going to have an association with Wendy's as yeah. being uh, a company that uses high quality, fresh ingredients? Yeah. Genius. Uh, and it didn't cost them a, a massive amount of money either because yeah. it was sort of done on the fly. Um, so that's, that's an amazing example. Um, is, is, there, um, is there a really obvious route through lots of... Um, lots of the environments are similar to what we experience in the real world. Either you're going in like an open world type thing, or if you're playing, you know, a football game, then it has billboards like we do in real life. Is there a really obvious crossover between stuff you could be planning in digital or digital out of home that you could just literally transfer over and you do a a very basic thing of doing the job that out of home does for you, which is, you know, driving awareness opportunities to view and you can kind of do it that way and then you sort of start laddering up the scale of getting more toward the kind of you know smashing up freezers in Fortnite and all that sort of stuff but i mean there must be a simple route into this without becoming you know doing what what wendy's are doing in the more uh, uh, that kind of stuff yeah absolutely there is so i think um i think the easy entry point into that is i mean if you're looking at the in-game ads um section of it uh, it's a very straightforward way of explaining what those those slots are, especially for sports games. You're basically saying this is what a billboard would look like in real life, yeah. but it's in a virtual uh, environment. And when you when you frame it in that way, uh, it's quite easy to understand. I think. Um, I suppose the big difference is in terms of of measurement. If you're thinking about it from yeah. Advertising perspective, you can't look at some of the out of home uh, measurement frameworks um, like Impact, for example. You're probably because it's a digit inherently a digital buy. Mm. You're going to look more proxy metrics like viewability or time yes. of view, yeah. uh, and you're going to look at you know impression numbers and that kind of stuff. Um, so where it differs is the impression level, but it, it's a very easy way of approaching it to say you know, client X, Y, Z, you're doing all of this uh, out of home sponsorship within sports. Why don't you do it within a gaming game environment? Yeah. um, In perhaps a more cost efficient way that allows you to track it in, in in a more accurate way. Um, So that's definitely been um, uh, one, one way of approaching it. Yeah. Um, uh, final thought for if you're going to give you know if you've got you know advertisers into this uh, other people in agencies you know people sell side as well one bit of advice you would give to people to go out and do so they understand this a bit better is it literally you know think about the world through what you're doing so if you're a casual gamer on your phone or if you're you're on a console just go out and explore more of it or what would your what would your sort of final thought be yeah, I definitely think that's a good way to start. So if you are someone who just plays a few games on their mobile, um, go on and have a play around on Twitch, for example. Mm. Um, that will blow your mind because you, you'll <laughs> realize that, uh, you know, in the same way that you might think, you know, you might look at someone who's watching some, uh, someone watching a program uh, on DIY basics or something like that, you might think, God, why, that, that's such a boring program. Why would anyone want yeah. to watch that? Even in the sports arena, why would someone want to watch someone else play golf? That's just not a biking <laughs> viewing experience. But it's actually the same thing yeah. people watching people playing video games. What people are doing is they want 
watch um, something that they can relate to. They play that game and they want to see the highest level yes. of what playing that game yes. looks like. And they might pick up tips, um, techniques. Some of some gamers are, are quite open with uh, sort of coaching their audience as they go along. They're mm. explaining, hey, this is why I just did that. It's because of, of this. Um, so it's kind of a learning experience and makes you better at the game as well. Cooking shows is another good analogy. People watch cooking shows because um, they want to get better at cooking, but there's yeah. also, they also weave in that entertainment um, element to it as well. So, it's, so that would be one, one um, suggestion. Go on Twitch and have a play around that. Because for most people, that would be a completely crazy, mind-blowing yeah. um, foreign environment for them. Uh, and then the other, I think, a lot of data now is coming out about how broad gaming audiences are even across games that you think are probably going to be really heavily skewed towards young people mm. or heavily skewed towards females or heavily skewed towards uh, males in their 30s. You know, there's there's a lot of data coming out, out of, about that stuff. And, you know, if you uh, to give you one sort of example of this, kids' games, it's actually adults are actually watching their kids playing these kids' games so it's almost like there's an adult and the kid ah, playing a yeah, kid yeah. game yeah. at the same time. It's not just the kid that sees that game. The adult might be supervising that kid playing the game for 90% of the game session. Um, so the more information you can find about the gaming audience, and there is a lot of good stuff out there now, um, and, and more and more data is always appearing um, to kind of shift it even more away from this stereotype that the only people that... Um, play or watch people playing games are teenage boys. It is yeah. not true anymore. Yeah. It is everyone. And that information is out there. Um, that was absolutely brilliant. Two questions to finish on that we're asking everyone on the IBK podcast at the moment. The first is to describe the view from where you're sitting right now, Luke. So I'm in my bedroom, which is also the front room um, of my flat. And um, I'm quite fortunate because my front garden is about two meters in length and about three meters wide but it's got um a, a, basically an entire park's worth of foliage um, <laughs> so i'm completely blocked from street view so i've got a bit of privacy people don't stare into the windows they're That's walking good. past while i'm working uh so there's no awkward eye contact every every couple of minutes which is quite nice and right now i'm looking at a, a red berry tree and thinking are oh, those berries edible and at one point will i go out and have a pick and take the risk we've heard about so many trees in the last 15 or so episodes fantastic it's sort of a spin-off podcast maybe and then yeah. the second point is um have you made a lockdown to-do list and if you have have you ticked anything off yet i have um so i was going to the gym quite a bit before quarantine started so me and my housemate who's also very into um uh, health and fitness we wrote uh, five goals, uh, quarantine goals. Nice. On the fitness side of it, I think one of them was to run a sub 25 minute 5K and then 24 minute. <laughs> and can I do 70 press ups in a row? Can I do 100 squats in a row? And there are a few wow. others on there. So those are my fitness ones. Um, and then I had um, two books I was reading. One's called Personal MBA, which is just obviously a, a business book. Um, and another is the classic by Byron Sharp, How Brands Grow. Indeed, you'll enjoy I, that one. You'll yeah, enjoy which I've been hacking through over the last sort of 
year or so and yeah. decided I wanted to get that one yeah. um, finished. And then gardening is the third one. So grew some sunflowers last year, which were successful. Um, but this year I've decided to, um, to broaden that out and uh, me and my housemate built a little sort of herb garden tower. Um, and we've, we've planted about eight different types of herbs uh, and a few of them, including my favorite, which is coriander, are starting to sprout now, which is giving me just an unbelievable amount of joy, almost indescribable. Um, uh, Two things. I think that is probably, and we've asked a lot of people, that that is probably the best answer we've had on lockdown to-do list on this series (laughs) so far. And secondly, the debate that the coriander is going to create probably on social media i mean he's going to be unforgivable because i mean you're, you're never in the middle you're never just all right with it you either hate it or you love it. So that's going to be interesting um thank you exactly. so much for giving us 20 minutes luke i really really appreciate it and it feels like this is just such an untapped opportunity at the moment and lots to be gained from those that are that are getting into it but um th- thank you again for giving us some time today thanks for having me on james the iab uk podcast Luke Aldridge from Dentsu Aegis there. I'm learning so much from doing these podcasts, genuinely. Uh, But especially today, gaming is a million miles away from the Lynx Player Xbox partnership I was doing 10 years ago uh, at Mindshare. And, I mean, all the headlines are there. We talk about it in the chat, but it's, it's properly mainstream now. Some of the prizes people are winning, some of the stars that are being created... And I think the the braver brands, the one that are kind of diving in with two feet, are gonna are gonna reap rewards, particularly now when people are literally at home uh, doing this stuff. Uh, that's it for today. But we'll be back next week with another episode. And if you want to listen to more episodes like this one, or look at everything else that we're doing to support IB members right now, go to ibuk.com forward slash connected and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Just search for IABUK. Stay safe. Stay at home. And thanks for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.